the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Seems like it's been forever. <laughs> you ever have a week like that? Just seem to drag and drag and drag. Uh, the, uh, anyway, we've got a uh, lot of good stuff to talk about today. A um, couple of different options there. This show is pre-recorded, by the way. So uh, if you want to call me, you'll probably have to call me in the office, which is fine. And you can go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com. It's got our phone number, 330-664-0700. And you can reach out there, too, through uh, email if you'd like. Just go to the contact us form, and we will be glad to follow up with you. So one of the key topics, I think, that's been coming across my desk and through phone conversations with an awful lot of people is why isn't the world falling apart right now? That, I get that question a lot. Why is the market going up? Why has the financial situation seeming, seemingly improved so much? Well, there are actually a lot of reasons for that. A lot of, a lot of underlying reasons. The number one reason, though, is that the market is not looking at what's happening right now. It, it's actually never done that. The market's looking at what they think is going to happen over the next nine to 12 months. And when the, actually when the Fed gives reports back in the, in the day, sometimes they still refer to it, they look at financial markets and they use the financial markets as a leading economic indicator, a leading indicator. So what does that mean? It means it t- typically happens, it has a tendency to move before the actual events occur that would cause that move to be obvious. In other words, if the market's going up, that's because investors, professional investors, by the way, not individuals, professional investors are anticipating recoveries. If the market's going down and all the news is good, that's because they're anticipating the slowdown in the economy because the economy is always either accelerating or decelerating. So trying to guess that huge waste of time. I don't care what those Facebook ads say. <laughs> you ever see those ads on Facebook? I can't believe Facebook allows that. You know, they, uh, these guys come out and talk about knowing the market or the one stock portfolio. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that is just not right. 
and uh, you cannot if if, some, if anybody could predict the stock market, if you can tell me where the stock market is going to be within five percent, okay, I'm going to give you a five percent range. You tell me where the market's going to be. I'm going to tell you a strategy that you can use to make us both rich. Okay, that's how hard that is to come up within five percent of a range is incredibly difficult. A five percent move, by the way, would be enough to double your money. How many times do you have to do that to be really rich? <laughs> I guess it depends on where you start, but but that's how difficult that is. You know, predicting the future is a waste of time. It's literally a waste of time. Paying attention to what's going on right now, okay, that's what we need to do. Pay attention to what's going on right now. Predicting the future is not that, unless you're going to predict it out you know, 10 years or longer, then that might not, that the, the longer you look out into the future, the less difficult it is to predict more accurately. Let me give an example. If I said stock prices are likely to be higher 10 years from now, everybody goes, yes, so what? Well, um, you know, they don't absolutely have to be because there were multiple 10-year time periods that were negative in the stock market. But if you look at where stock prices are today, you look at where their value should be today, then saying they should be higher 10 years from now, not much of a stretch. Where are they going to be a year from now? Your guess is as good as mine. And I've been watching and studying this stuff since I was in college. I don't know if you've seen me, but I'm pretty old. <laughs> I'm actually 57, not that old. But the uh, bottom line is I've been doing this an incredibly long time period. And that's why I know that trying to predict is useless or pointless in the short run. In the long run, it's pretty good. And in the long run, as long as stocks aren't hopelessly overpriced, probably going to do pretty good. Uh, I'll uh, talk a little bit about the NASDAQ. I've been hearing people talking about the NASDAQ again. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You're going to talk about, really? Okay, look at a chart. Go and pick up a chart. In fact, maybe I'll try to publish this over the next few months but the, or, or a couple weeks. The NASDAQ 100, the index, the big, the Google, Amazon, Apple, okay, makes up the biggest percentage of that. That peaked in the year 2000, in March of 2000. It peaked. It dropped over 80%. Think about that, 80%. It stayed below that level until 2016. 16 years before it recovered. So that my point is, when you're looking at how it's done lately, you might want to take into context how it's done in the long run, especially if you're within 10 years of retirement. If you were within 10 years of retirement, and by the way, if you looked at the NASDAQ in the 90s, all leading up to 2000, it was crushing everything. It was unbelievable what the return was. In fact, let me, let me go back to 1988. Well, that's where I have my database starts. If I go from 1988 to the peak in the year 2000, March of 2000, it was up 2,868%. In 12 years, you made 28 times your money. That's nuts. Okay. And then, of course, you gave 80% of it back over the next three years. 
By the way, three years, that's a long decline. So my point behind all this stuff is that you want to have a good context. You want to look at the long term, try to get an idea of, of where we are relative to where we should be. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. In the late 90s and uh, 99, I stopped buying technology stocks. I was early. I was about five or six months early. That's the other thing. You can't hit it on the head. There are only two people who buy bottoms and sell tops, the lucky and the liars. By the way, the lucky ones don't realize they're lucky, and eventually their luck runs out, and that's not good. (laughs) So then you're only left with the liars. But... uh, Anyway, I don't know why I'm uh, uh, hyped up on this right now, but uh, you know, it, people call in and they start looking at things, and, and they're looking at uh, things that really don't matter that much. If you're really looking at trying to put portfolio strategies together that are meaningful, you got to have a methodology. You got to have a method, and I guess this is one of the reasons that I'm talking about this today because I've had several calls this week, people calling in, and they don't realize they're very nice people. They don't realize they're asking me to predict the future. And I and they are very, very nice when they're asking about it because I know down deep they know what I'm going to say. They know what the right answers are, and they're trying to be nice about it so that I don't uh, raise my voice, <laughs> which uh, I've been known to do occasionally, not in a really long time, by the way, so don't, don't let that scare you. And by the way, it's not because I'm mean. It's because I care. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to lose money unnecessarily. The uh, uh, so um, I think it's kind of funny if I ask really nice, maybe he'll and and if I if I disguise the question and if I ask it a different way, then maybe I'll get the answer that I'm looking for. Well, probably not. <laughs> not if you're asking me. Now, if you ask a uh, a salesman, the salesman will figure out what you're doing, and then he's going to tell you what you want to hear and take your money. That's what's going to happen with the salesman. Actually, that's a poor salesman. <laughs> that's somebody who just wants to make a sale, who's not really trying to help you. Okay. And uh, the way that my business is structured, the better you do, the better I do. The worse you do, the worse I do. Yeah, so my, my goals are completely aligned with yours. They're completely in line with yours. It's just the way I, I liked it. Um, I was kind of early to set up my practice this way. There weren't very many of us that were basically going out uh, as fiduciaries, as uh, um, where we had to take tests and, and get training so that we could do what was in our client's best interest instead of uh, what paid the highest commission. That was a big departure from when I set this up back in the day. So anyway, um, Here's something else, by the way. Okay, so we're, I, I was I started off talking about yeah how you know people were looking at why things were going so well in the stock market and financial markets. And here's what the people that are that the big institutional investors are seeing in the market. They see that there are lots of spots in economies that are actually benefiting from the pandemic. They're benefiting from it in the long run. The entire world benefits. Remember that old saying that I really hated hearing all the time? That which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I I hated that saying. (laughs) But there is some truth to it. (laughs) And 
This is a uh, this is a big test. It's been a bit huge test worldwide. Everybody's had to step up to the plate. And you know what? I'm incredibly impressed with how much cooperation has gone on between all these countries all over the world. It's it's mind boggling. It's amazing. Restores my faith somewhat in humanity. And the bottom line is it's going to cause economic. Actually, it's already caused economic growth. The growth that has slowed down the restaurants and things you have to do publicly where you got to be around people in, in less than six feet apart, those businesses, they will come back. They will absolutely come back. The businesses that take care of this pandemic, healthcare in particular, technology in particular, they have gotten a big shot in the arm. This has really helped them out. That's why the markets have gone up because they're anticipating that when the other businesses that have been hurt come back to where they were, stock prices, obviously they should be higher, right? Revenues will be up. Profits will be up. And that's what the market's doing. It's discounting the future. It's not looking at what's happening right now. And that's a, that's a really important lesson. And, and I'm kind of surprised that uh, people who are above their 50s, well, I'm not in their 50s, if you're above the age of 65 and you haven't, you don't already know this, it's because you've had to work too much. You think about it. You know, you spend a lot of time at work probably accumulating, probably being very successful investing um, because you you got involved in stocks and stocks in the long run have been the best way to go. So, But you haven't really had time to sit down and really look at this stuff. So this year, if we ever get to uh, start to have seminars again, that'll be nice. I've got tons of material I've been accumulating to try to help people get through this uh, information that you really need to know. And they should start teaching by the time you're 12. By the time you're 12, by the way, you know enough math to be able to understand investing principles extremely well. You know enough math to be able to do budgeting very well. In uh, investing and budgeting, those are the two key factors when it comes to being successful financially. You got to know how to budget and you have to know how to invest. And looking at the the funds that have just gone up the most is useless. It's pointless. In fact, it is so alluring to look at what's just, you look at a one, three, five year track record and everybody's like, oh my. Well, if you don't know why and you don't know how to place values on stocks, that is an incredibly dangerous thing to do financially. To just go exclusively off the track record is that is going to lead to a really poor return someday because stocks have a tendency to get overpriced. The NASDAQ, it was overpriced in the late 90s. That's why it had an 18-year period where the return was negative. But if you looked at how it did from the late 80s to the early 2000s, you would have thought, no, I'm putting all my money in the NASDAQ and I'm going to be richer than Warren Buffett. And guess what? If it had continued along that path, you, you probably would have been. Okay. The problem is values matters sooner or later. The market will ignore value for a very long time period. Stocks will go up because they're going up. There are a lot of funds out there who just focus on stocks who are going up. It doesn't matter what they're worth. They don't care what they're worth. They're going up. There are a ton of funds that invest that way. And actually, the S&P 500 is one of them. 
and invest in the stuff that's going up the fastest. It's an unintended byproduct of using market cap weighting. And I probably won't be able to explain that because I think I only have about 30 seconds before the commercial. <laughs> so you're going to have to uh, keep listening to the show. But there is, there's a flaw in just using size or speed in the long run. In the short run, you can do very well. And the short run, by the way, is anything less than 10 years. That's the short run. I know that's really disappointing to a lot of people because they want to think that the short run is, is this week or next next week and, and next year is the long run. Um, well, you're going to be gravely disappointed <laughs> taking that attitude into financial markets. They don't care about you. They don't care about what you think. Financial markets are financial markets. They run the way they run. It's not their job to bend to please you. It's your job to figure out how they work, what rules they run by, and then play by those rules. If you want to be successful, if you don't want to be successful, just don't pay attention to anything. Buy stuff on gut feel and instinct. And, uh, you know, hopefully you're using a professional money manager for the vast majority of your money and you only use a small portion of your money to do that. (laughs) But yeah, anyway, I hear the music. I guess I got to take a real quick commercial break. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. You can go to my website if you'd like to learn more about me. It's BullingtonCapital.com. Uh, if you have questions, there's a resources page there that will answer a lot of questions for you. You can reach out to me. I'd be glad to get back to you. Um, investing is not simple. I'm, I'm sorry. Actually, you can make it simple, but it's never easy. Big difference between simple and easy. Ask any golfer. To hit a uh, 300-yard drive straight as an arrow, to swing really, really, really hard and make sure the club head is flat when you strike the ball. Now go out and try that. (laughs) A little different, but uh, I don't know why I like that illustration so much. I've been using that for so long. i got to find another one. Anyway, so we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, a lot of different things, and I thought this segment I would talk about how the pandemic has caused real economic growth. I mean, think about it. How many of you were actually using your internet to do uh, doctor's visits before that happened? You know what the growth in that industry has been? It's astronomical. And you know what? You've got to have services in place to make those appointments happen. So there's been a lot of spending there. Never mind the, the vaccines, which this is the first time in world history. I went back and checked. First time in world history. You've had as many countries pitching in as you have to try to solve this. It's amazing. So we broke records. Why aren't they talking about that on the news? Uh, You know why? Because good news doesn't sell a whole lot of ads. (laughs) They want to scare you. Uh, If they can scare you, they can get your attention. So, but yeah, there, there is a, there's two sides to every story. 
Every action has an opposite and equal reaction. You got to remember that. If you're going to be successful investing, you better remember that because there's so much negative news. It fighting that and resisting the urge to give into it can be a big deal for an awful lot of people. So that's where the first, you know, healthcare obviously is doing well. It's probably going to continue to do well because now it's going to, they're going to have to have more people. They've got to have more kids coming out of school to be able to run the equipment on this kind of stuff. And uh, actually a lot of the degrees that you can get from a community college for two years will get you a job now um, because of the pandemic that, you know, it's fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 to start. That's the starting salary. Yeah, uh, that that's pretty good. If I'm a kid coming out of high school, I'm probably going to ex- look into that and go a little bit further. And uh, there's all kinds of uh, technology that's involved with this that has caused real economic growth. Now, uh, there's also other economic growth. We, I used to talk about electric cars so much it made people sick to their stomachs, I think. But this was a long time ago. And those of you that are long-term listeners are probably chuckling a little bit right now because you remember that stuff. Well, that hasn't stopped. In fact, it's continued to grow. We we're talking about solar and uh, uh, wind. What what was really funny was you you probably would have thought that I had just called your your grandkids a nasty name when I had talked about solar or wind as alternatives. You should have, you should have heard the. I read some of the emails I would get from that. It's unbelievable, but, but that's okay. That's uh, that's what you get for having a, uh, your own mind and thinking yourself. Sometimes you run up against people who are very vocal that have an opposite. Uh, and a lot of the people, by the way, that I was hearing from, some of them were engineers. They were engineers that used to work for some of the auto companies. And uh, they were kind of upset because it's how they made their living. It's how they built their entire lives. And, and I'm coming out and telling them, well, that's all going to change. You know? And they just didn't like it. A lot of people are very, very resistant to change. I'm not one of those. I promise. Um, do I like change that's rapid fire? Uh, it's a little hard to keep up with. I'll, I'll, I will admit that. Um, but it's not that I don't like it, especially if I think the change is good change. I don't like change just for the sake of change, by the way. But when you're talking about things that are going to propel the entire society of the entire world forward, I'm for it. So, and when you look at how change happens, people resist change. Well, back in my day, you know, that that's what I used to hear a lot. You don't hear that quite as much today, I don't think. And I'm not sure what the younger people think, um, but they act, they like to change like the wind, by the way. They, uh, it's new. Oh, they're into it. Now, I like to evaluate the change and see if it's going to actually make any progress. That is one of the things that I see that is missing <laughs> from this, from these younger generations. Oftentimes it's change for the sake of change. Well, that's kind of chasing your tail. Yeah. Uh, if there's going to be a real benefit there, then yes, let's make the change. Let's develop these solar panels. You know that the solar panels have been increasing their efficiency by 15% a year on average over the past 15 years, uh, 20 years. 15, you know, that means that you double your capacity in an efficiency in five years. Think about that. If you doubled your income every five years, do you know how divorce rate would drop by in this country? <laughs> 
they couldn't afford to let you go. You'd be too valuable. Yeah, but you know, you 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 point that out, and people go, "Oh, well, you know, because it's not perfect today." Well, see, you have to get through that. You have to get through that, and we will, and we're going to, and that that's the direction that we're headed. Uh, there's gonna solar panels are part of the way it is. By the way, people that are uh, talking about Tesla, you know, Tesla uh, has a big battery plant. It's one of the biggest in the world, and it hasn't even fired up and started producing yet. Everybody thinks of them of them as a car company. I'm like, what? Yeah, are you guys not? Re-? Go to their website. Okay. They do batteries. They do cars. They, uh, I forgot. I think it was uh, Solar City was actually started by uh, Elon Musk's cousins. He's the guy behind Tesla, CEO, guy you see on television all the time. And um, so they brought those into the fold, and they've got really good plans. I, I love the plans that they have for capturing some of the sun's energy, uh, storing it in their batteries, which will actually charge his cars <laughs> sitting in the garage. And this is all done through solar. And so that's pretty interesting. It's fascinating. Is it snap your fingers and it happens tomorrow? No. Is it going to take a lot of time? Probably. It already has. Are we ahead of where we were five years ago? Yep. By far. Are we ahead of where we were 10 years ago? Even farther. And the rate of change, the, the rate of improvement is speeding up. It's accelerating. So this is really cool. I mean, some of the things I I'm so excited for future generations because they're really they're, they're going to be able to handle a lot of the problems that we've struggled with our entire lives and the generations before us. And that's kind of how it's gone. You know what I'm saying? If you look around at, at the lifestyles that people lead versus what they used to lead. Um, and I, I feel bad for a lot of people. They didn't have the background I have. I had some great grandparents. All my, I knew all but one of my great grandparents, all but one of them. I think I was nine years old before the first one passed away. And we used to go and stay with some of my great grandparents, and they lived in a very rural part of the country. And where they lived, they still had wells. They still had outdoor. Uh, I forgot what they called it. The uh, it's where they cooked in the summertime because it was too hot to cook indoors. <laughs> because they had, a, they had a gas stove. They did have gas in inside. They didn't want to turn the flames on in the summer when it was hot. So we had a place where they were cooked outside, and they actually had a wood-burning stove. Think about that for a second. And they used to use it. They would cook the meals outside and then bring them in the house. And to capture that smoke that was going up from the, the wood that they would burn, they actually had this uh, a, a tube, a metal tube, that would go into this other room next to the where the oven was, or the stove was, and they would put their hams and turkeys in there, and that's how you smoke a ham and a turkey. You, you literally use smoke, <laughs> and it cured the hams and turkeys. So, by the way, this is the 1970s. They're living like they used to live in the 1920s, 1930s, before a lot of people even had electricity. They did get electricity, incidentally. But, uh, and I remember when they were trying to convince my great grandfather that they should put an indoor toilet in because he was so not used to having plumbing that he didn't want people doing that in the house. <laughs> Can you imagine? 
<laughs> so it took a while to convince him that it was okay, <laughs> that it was safe. And uh, so I had that experience of, of, and they had a, their garden was five acres. That's what they called a garden. <laughs> Long road to hoe. I know exactly what that means. Most people have no idea what that statement is. Nobody has, no, no one has even heard that statement for probably a couple of decades. But uh, anyway, so hoeing is what you do to get weeds out of your garden. And uh, you look up and all you can see is land. <laughs> That's a long road to hoe. <laughs> so, but uh, I remember all that stuff. And I was really, I feel really blessed to have been introduced to that at a really young age and see how people used to live because they were living like people had lived 40 or 50 years prior to that. If you lived in a city, that was foreign to Actually, if you lived in a city and tried to come out there without any training or without the great-grandparents to tell you not to do certain things, you were going to get hurt <laughs> probably pretty badly. <laughs> so um, I've had a ex- life experience that most people just don't have. And uh, they'll never have it. And thank goodness, because uh, those were hard lives. You see pictures of, of people back then that were in their mid-50s. I mean, they look like they're in their 80s. Yeah, it's just pretty wild. So things are getting better. They're actually getting better pretty quickly. And that's my point to this whole thing. Solar's a thing. It's going to be here. Wind, it's a thing. It's going to be here. It's going to get better. Is it going to be the end-all, be-all? Nope. It's just going to be a part of the equation. But it's going to get get better, and it's been getting better. And people will look back 20 years from now and go, wow, remember when uh, you couldn't charge your car in 15 minutes and take off? By the way, you can car- charge your car in 15 minutes now if you want to pay for the equipment. It's out there. It exists. The cost of doing it because we don't have the infrastructure in place would be you'd have to be rich to, to be able to afford that. Well, just like you used to have to be rich have a color television set back in the 50s when those things first came out. <laughs> That's the way it's going to happen. And, and it's already happening. And I think it's a, it's a great thing. And it, one of the things I do like about the, the younger generations is when I'm talking to them about this kind of stuff, they just kind of accept it. Oh, yeah, I, I can see that happening. And, uh, boy, my generation, they were like, oh, that is never. And the generation one above my generation just uh, dreaded it. <laughs> they didn't want to have to learn all that stuff. And I get it. Uh, it is, it's tough to keep up with. But the change is coming, uh, whether it's fuel cells down the road, whether we have uh, with hydrogen fueling stations across the country, that was probably kind of a long shot. Whether it's electricity where you get the quick charge, you pull up, it takes 10 minutes because you've got the infrastructure in place to actually do that. It, it's coming. The uh, Things are going to improve. There's an awful lot of work to be done. And see, that that's when you really need to worry about stock. Well, there are two times when you need to worry about stock markets. When they're grossly overpriced, which we don't have right now, or when all the problems that need to be solved are solved and there are no more problems left to solve, that might be a problem <laughs> because that means you're not going to grow. And for the foreseeable future, that ain't happening. So in the meantime, here's what's really tough. What talked about the NASDAQ being down 80% in taking more than 15 years to recover. That's a problem if you're not you know, below the age of 50. If you're below, if you're not below the age of 50, that, that can be a real problem. 
That's why one of the uh, things I've been talking about lately, and this is the, here's the plug, the fixed indexed annuities are available. And with interest rates being as low as they are, that's a very viable option for a portion of your money. Now, not everybody's going to want it. Not everybody's going to need it. And to, to, to sit here and say this is good for everybody, that's not true. You can't, I don't know of anything that you can say that about. But this does fit a big need and the need for predictable income. That's the need that this was made to fulfill. And it goes a long way in doing that. I've only got a couple minutes here before I have to take a commercial break. But when we come back, we'll talk about how you can fill those needs that you may have for a fixed income uh, that's going to come on a month-by-month basis. It's going to come with some guarantees that you can't get from some other products. And uh, that's one of the things I'd really like to focus on over the next uh, few years of my career because, A, I'm getting older. I'm getting close to that point myself. The uh, B, there's an awful lot of uh, huge segment of the population. The fastest growing segment of the population is 60 and over. They're getting close to that point where you can't, you can't take a 10-year period with a negative return, which has happened to every single index in the world. It's never not happened to a stock index. You understand that? The reason I'm bringing that up and, and I sound so mean is I'm trying to get your attention. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not that mean. But the uh, the bottom line is these are very necessary. If you don't understand this, it, it's it, it, it's going to come at a big cost to your retirement. Uh, never mind all the mental anguish that you could have to put up with. So we're actually going to uh, come back from our commercial break and we're going to talk about this. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the uh, Lookout for the Bull website uh, for those people that are uh, of a mind that, you know, they still like to play around and dabble in stocks. I think it's a great idea. Um, I'm not a big fan of dabbling. Uh, I don't care how small the amount of money is. I don't think you should put a lot of money in individual stocks, but I think you should know what you're doing if you put any money in them. So I hear the music. That means I'm going to take a real quick commercial break. You're listening to Bill Bullington. I'll be right back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm right here on 1420. We're here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. You can also find this on the Fishes podcast, or you can go to my website, Bullington Capital. It's available as a podcast there. And uh, um, I'm sorry. I, oh, 1220. Oh, yes, absolutely. It's also available on uh, <laughs> 1220 a.m. It's being simulcast. And 1220, by the way, has a huge signal. It goes out really, really far. So if you're around the 1420 and it's starting to fade out a little bit, you could actually switch over to 1220 and then kick it, pick it up there. Uh, that's a 50,000-watt signal, I believe. Yep, so that's pretty cool. Anyway, 
yeah, feel free to call if you have any questions. I'm, I want to finish up today by talking about the guaranteed income, uh, go a little bit into detail into how fixed indexed annuities work in general. And uh, if you have interest in that, this this would really be for anybody who's looking for a, a guaranteed source of income. Now, the guarantees are only as good as the underlying companies that are making the guarantee. So you got to be careful when you're dealing with the companies out there. Sometimes, you know, if the company did go, our country did go into another severe economic uh, recession the way that we did in 2008 and 2009, some of the insurance companies didn't make it. So um, some people lost some money. They didn't lose all their money, but they lost some money. So you got to be, you know, make sure that you're paying attention to the quality of the companies, uh, all other things being equal. You want to go with the higher rated ones. And these products, by the way, they have a, a fixed, the, the word fixed comes out first. There used to be something that was similar. I wasn't really a big fan of. It was called an equity indexed annuity. That one I'm, I'm just, I'm still not a big fan of. But the fixed indexed, I am, because the fixed means, okay, here's what we're willing to guarantee from the insurance company. This is the amount that we're willing to guarantee. And that's what I'm most interested in. Because with bonds paying less than 1%, that is, uh, whew, that is that's brutal. A 30-year treasury bond paying slightly over 1%. Um, yet high-quality corporate bonds high quality corporate bonds may be paying two and a half to 3% after fees and expenses. Um, and that's, you know, those companies have to you know exist to be able to pay that. So there's some risk there. So the uh, fixed index is uh, really, to me, looking at the fixed portion of it is kind of the key. They have investments. You can invest in several different indexes and it depends on the company and what they're offering. If that investment does better than the fixed guaranteed portion, then you get the higher of the two and you don't have to decide until after the fact. That's what's in most cases. So that's pretty cool. Now, you've got to read through these products, by the way, very carefully because they're structured differently. In fact, there's one that came out recently. It's not a fixed index annuity. It's actually a variable annuity that allows you to, but it's got a fixed rider that you can guarantee that'll guarantee a certain amount of income for you or you and your spouse for the rest of your life. Now, I'm going to come back to that one in a little bit because this one's uh, relatively new, but it's not the same. It's not the same as the fixed index. The fixed index, the thing you want to pay attention to on those, if you're comparing them, is the fixed guarantees. What are the guarantees? And the next thing is who's standing behind it? So it's my, my opinions. The guarantee is most important. Who's making the guarantee? That's second most important. Uh, the incomes that you can generate from those are going to be substantially higher than 1%. But it's not like a 1% bond or a CD. A bond or a CD pays 1%. Uh, you can cash it in uh, if the company that underwrote or, or issued that bond is still there to make the payment. Um, if you're doing it with the government, pretty safe. Yeah, if it's a government bond or a CD from a bank, and uh, you don't have more than 250000 bucks in that bank or they're not participating in this program that brings that number collectively up to a much larger amount, uh, the, uh, the bottom line is those things are considered very, very safe, but they're also liquid. You can cash them in and get your principal back. Therefore, they do not pay much. So the higher the 
guarantee and the lower the restriction on access to your money, the lower it's going to pay, uh, all other things being equal. So if you're looking for returns that are better than, say, 4.5%, you're going to be looking at a fixed a fixed indexed product, and some of them get really high. The, the one uh, I really like that I've been using and have invested in personally has a minimum guarantee. The payout uh, percentage is pretty high. But every year, and it depends on your age, by the way. So uh, every year that goes by, that payout percentage goes up. And this company, uh, this is a nationwide product, and they have a website. If you'd like to get on there and put your own numbers in there, your age and the kind of income you'd like to achieve or the age and how much money you have to invest, it'll tell you. They'll guarantee for the first 10 years that that income that you could take after the first 12 months is over, they'll guarantee that that amount is going to go up 7% each year for 10 years. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, you'll need to go back and listen to this segment on their, on the radio or if you're downloading it a couple of times because what I just said was not the way that most people are interpreting that. They're saying they think they're getting 7% a year. No, I said the benefit will increase by 7% a year over the next 10 years. And again, that's only as good as the underlying company making the guarantee. So again, when you're looking at these things, there's a lot of stuff to compare. If it sounds good to you, you want to talk about it, you want to learn about it, feel free to give me a call or hit me up, give me an email. One of the big differences between me and uh, Charles Schwab or, or any of the other big firms is that I'm available and I will call you. I had two calls on Christmas Day and three on Christmas Eve. I took of them all. <laughs> I had a call 8 o'clock Friday night when I was out to dinner. I saw, recognized that it was a client. I took the call. Now you know why I live by myself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, well, it could be part of the reason. But the uh, anyway, I am very serious about providing the highest level of service I possibly can. I'm also very ser- serious about not wasting your time or BSing. I don't have time for that. The uh, And that's kind of, if I were looking for somebody, that's who I would want to look for. I want somebody who's pretty busy because they're not going to have to remember or, or try to remember what they said. They're going to have to tell you like it is. <laughs> That's it. That kind of so you want to go with somebody who's typically pretty busy. The uh, and uh, I really like the business. By the way, it's um, it's interesting. You know, a lot of the stuff I used to have to do by myself. You know, and had to build the models, test the models, run the models. Uh, today, there have been so many of them that are out there. There's some really good ones. I mean, so there's some awesome ones. And every summer I go through, I look at my lineup. We do this test on each and every one of my tests. I'm looking for the best risk-adjusted returns from every category. And uh, most of the time, the ones that, that meet all the criteria, I really don't have to do much with. But occasionally, I have to make changes. Last year, we made changes to fixed income. We redid the entire model for fixed income. And uh, which reminds me, I meant to tell you what the new 60-40. Here's the new 60-40 that I think is probably pretty good for a large portion of retirees, people getting close to retirement or going to want to retire. 60-40 refers to 60% stock to 40% fixed income or bond allocation. That's a very common, it's probably the most commonly used allocation in the in the country. And since most of the financial assets of the world reside in the United States, it's actually in the world. <laughs> so 60-40 is the most popular. 
here's a new 60-40. That 40% that's going to be getting less than 2%, uh, like probably more like 1%, and a lot of that's actually before fees, that's going to be a drag on the portfolio. It's really going to drag the performance down, but you have to have it because if you didn't, your whole portfolio would fluctuate by 50% or more and and might be down for 10 years in a row. And you don't want to see that at age 70 because that means at age 80, you're going to go have to apply at Walmart as a greeter. And one of these days, the greeters are going to be our robots. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But the um, bottom line is you can take a portion of that fixed income that's got that really low interest rate and move it into one of the fixed index products. I think that makes a tremendous amount of sense. And in fact, that's what I did with my own personal stuff. And there's some big benefits to that. First of all, you get a, a peace of mind. Hey, look, I'm, I'm, I know on this money here, as long as Nationwide is able to pay their bills, this is what I'm going to get. Okay, And I'm going to get that until I uh, die. Now, that's going to bump up your returns. And at the same time, it's reducing some of the risk. It is very rare that you can say that in financial markets. To be able to increase your returns while reducing the risk is incredibly difficult to do. Some people will say impossible. I'm going to show them my 60-40 plan, (laughs) the new one. (laughs) So uh, I think it makes a a, a great sense. Now, and, and I think that this is actually the one that's most viable for most people, but everybody's different. Everybody's different. Some people don't need it. Some people have so much money accumulated that 1% or 2% off that money is fine for them. That's all they need, 1% or 2%. They can live their life. That's great. That means you are either really, really, really loaded or you have super, super, super low expenses for living. And sometimes, most of the time, it's a combination of the two. But uh, um, before I get, I've only got about 60 seconds left. There is another, there's a new product that came out. And, you know, I kept saying change is inevitable. Well, there's, this is another change. There's a, a, a vehicle that you can invest in Fidelity funds, Vanguard funds, T. Rowe Price funds, not have to pay a sales charge in, not have to pay a sales charge out. The, the management fees are discounted over the retail. Uh, you can add a rider to that for one half of 1% that will guarantee a, a 4% minimum rate of return on the assets. It can, you can be 100% invested in stock and it can move up. That income can actually go up over time. I hear the music. I apologize for not being able to finish that. Call me if you want or email me if you want to learn more about it. And I will talk about that more on next week's program. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. This has been Bill Bullington on 1420 and 1220 and (laughs) 955thefish.com. Anyway, I'll uh, talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.